0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David Nikki Nellis. It is a great day. I should, instead of good morning, I should say bonjour, or bonjourno. We've got an international offering today um, and lots of good food stretched mm-hmm. out in front of us. So Rose Noel is the executive chef at Danny Meyer's Just Opened Maiolino Mare on the D.C. Wharf. It's a Roman-style seafood-focused trattoria, and she is in to tell us. We've sort of got tastes and talk a Marie and it well, I feel up. like we
1: should say like we we got her away because that restaurant opened like what three weeks ago, six weeks, six weeks ago. So it is banging. It was kind so of like are... a
0: kidnapping. Do you right. remember that? Right. we threw you in the a car. Kidnapping. And... Yeah, just
2: yeah. 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 got in the car with yeah. you guys.
0: But we're we're genteel kidnappers, so it's gonna be fine. <laughs> All right, so uh, we wanted to know more about Urban Plates Restaurant's mission to serve up uh, a variety of affordable scratch-made meals from. Great ingredients. We've eaten there at their Montgomery Mall store uh, uh, restaurant, but they have restaurants all over California and more coming here in the D.C. area. Well, and their corporate
1: executive chef just went plant-based, so we're going to be talking with him later in the show to- Chef
0: Robert Bikes. Right, to
1: understand uh, how he's- It's not a plant-based restaurant, but how he's incorporating more of that into the menu.
0: And Chris Humphreys, who's a meat eater, is going to tell us all about that, too. He's GM (laughs) of the Urban Plates here in Bethesda. Back with us again. Where is she? She's Amy, over there. Amy Riolo. Amy Riolo's back. She's an award-winning cookbook author, uh, chef, and culinary tour leader, and we're going to hear all about her. She's got lots of projects happening. Um, and we, we just
1: partied with her last w- Friday w- at we, Stalina.
0: Stalina Pizzeria, which is was a lot of fun. But Amy does these great... Uh, uh, guided tours, culinary tours, and she's got one coming up back to her ancestral home in Calabria.
1: We can't wait. Ci
0: sono Chisono though.
1: <laughs> How about that? And
0: we'll be hearing from Amy and at Chef Danielle Baloud's Michelin-starred restaurant, Danielle. The annual cheese dinner is a, a, an homage to French culture, and it's a big deal. And here in an D.C. An homage
1: to fromage.
0: No. <laughs> excuse me. I'm the comedian here, not you. Could you just chill? I just
1: came up with that all, all on right. my own.
0: But here at Balud's uh, DBGB Kitchen and Bar, executive chef Nicholas Tang is going to mirror that event with his own version on March 5th. He's here to tell us all about it. And he's and... never been
1: in before. It's so nice. I know.
0: Well, he broke in. I saw that when we were <laughs> kidnapping Rose. Um, and Orlinda uh, Doherty of Vinicola. Nah, I did it right. A Vinicola is a psalm, a wine educator and wine writer. She's been talking about women in the wine industry and opportunities that they have in the 2020s to blossom. Is that fair? Okay, and she's brought in a couple of tastes of wine all from right, us get to Mark. makers. All right, where is Mark? Mark, are you there?
3: I'm right here. Hey, Mark, Mark. Ross,
0: Metro Microgreens, is on the phone from Central Farm Markets. Uh, Mark, why don't you tell us a little bit about Metro Microgreens and what you sell at the market?
3: Sure. So uh, we grow hydroponic microgreens right in Rockville, Maryland. We grow indoors all year long, and we grow on a coconut husk or cocoa coir. So there's no soil. And when we sell them to our restaurant clients or farmers markets uh, or CSAs, they're still living. So the shelf life is dramatically longer than if it was harvested and what you would buy in the grocery store.
1: Well, plus it's a zero waste product, right? It's a total zero waste
3: product. 100% usable. Nothing is wasted. It's all, we're certified naturally grown. We grow organically. So it's, very very safe and uh, very very tasty. We typically have fifteen to twenty varieties at market every single week.
1: Well, Mark, let me just ask you. A lot of people may not understand what to do with microgreens. I mean, it's it's. They may not re-
0: even understand what a microgreen right, is. I mean, it's
1: a relatively new offering for the general public. I mean, we've seen them all over. You know, at the fancy schmancy restaurants, they top things or they're right. included in things. But how do people incorporate them in in their everyday life?
3: Sure. So. People, of course, everything we grow can obviously be added to a salad, but thinking outside the box, add the micro-leafs to your omelets or throw it on a pizza. Uh, the, the radish, our radish is spicy, so add that to a, a sandwich or a veggie burger uh, or soups. Uh, the, the spicy mix is a multi, multiple varieties of arugula, kale, wasabi, cabbage. Add that to the sandwiches, wraps. We have Sorel, which is lemon. So, how about to fish, to chicken? So, our microgreens can be incorporated in most every single meal. But to answer the first part of your question, the seeds are exactly the same. Uh, so, the cilantro seed is a coriander seed, it's the same exact seed. Our pea shoots are peas. Uh, our broccoli uses the same exact broccoli seed. So, they're all exactly the same, but they're micro in size because of how densely we grow them but they're also much, much more nutrient-dense, so you get a lot of bang for the buck with microgreens compared to, let's say, full-size broccoli or full-size radish, so forth.
0: All right. Well, Mark, a question. Are you at uh, the Bethesda Central Farm Market? Or Standing here Be- right
3: now, yes, sir.
0: All right. When So Bethesda's open today, and so is the one at George Marshall High School, correct? Out in Northern Virginia. Correct.
3: So. Yeah, the Bethesda market is open till 1:30 and the Nova market at George Marshall High School is open until 1.
0: Awesome. All right, well thanks, thanks so Mark. much. Good Perfect to talk day with for you. The My markets. pleasure.
3: Nice talking to All you. All right, you take too. Care. Mark, bye.
0: So, Erlinda, you want to from Vinicola, you wanna. You're here talking about women in the wine industry, and you're clearly a woman in the wine industry.
4: Oh my
1: God! Thank, what you, a Captain <laughs> thank yes. you, Captain Obvious.
4: Thank you, Captain Obvious. Thank you so much for welcoming me here today. I'm really uh, happy to be here to talk about this. Well, um, so tell us yes. a
1: little bit about who you are and how you wound up in this industry.
4: Yes. Well, thank you. So I um, recently moved back to D.C. Uh, after from South Carolina, but my (laughs) husband was in the Army, so we've sort of lived all over the last few years, um, to include Germany and some other places. And uh, after coming back here, which has always been considered our home, uh, I was happy to bring a wine uh, school and a wine consulting business that I started on my own a few years ago back to the D.C. area. Yeah, you don't sound not, South Carolina. No, then. I'm <laughs>
1: definitely not. I actually grew up in New Jersey. So, where? which exit? Uh, okay. Which exit? 7A. <laughs> anyway. That's <was> so stupid. <laughs> She's one exit before you. I mean, I'm from New Jersey. I hate so, when people there you say go, that. See? It's so annoying. No, so, too well, bad. Yeah. You
4: know, it's still a novelty for me these days, I guess, to talk about it. But, uh, uh-huh. yeah, so coming back to D.C. and uh, – you know, bringing this business that I started uh, teaching, um, you know, wine education, wine classes to regular people that just want to learn about it, you know, in a very inclusive, engaging, sort of friendly, non pontificating way. I think a lot of people feel like wine is just something that's very snooty. Um, it can be, <laughs> especially for women, especially for young people, especially for people of color. Um, I'm a Latina, Sam. There aren't very many of us. I'm also a military spouse. So these are different communities that are trying to learn about wine in a different way that's more approachable. And uh, I feel like that's sort of where I like to to enter that space. Well, so
1: today you wanted to come in and specifically talk about women yes. in wine. Because yes. for a long time, it was really the men who were doing all the talking. But there is a real uh, shift in the wine world right now with more and more women winemakers uh, and vineyard owners uh, – Around the world. Absolutely. So tell us about what you got today. Yes,
4: absolutely. So my focus today was on women uh, wines that were either um, proprieted by women uh, or, or women winemakers. And the first one I'm opening now mm-hmm. uh, is actually a rosé from Italy called Peramo. Oh, perfect. Uh, it's uh, made from a grape called uh, Ravishing Rabosso, I like to call it, mm-hmm. from northern Italy. And it's a beautiful pink wine, a uh, sparkling wine rosé. And uh, available locally at Cleveland Park, Rodman's, Bradley Food and Wine, FineWine.com, Burton's, Locodino. But That's okay. We don't, need that's, the list. we don't need the list of where things are going to be served. But it is available locally uh, okay. in a lot of areas. And Excellent. Uh,
1: okay. We're going to let uh, your intern pour it. Yes. And while he's doing that, we'll get back to you in just a little
0: bit. I just bit. have one so question. Yes. Is he still in the Army?
4: <laughs> he is in the Reserves. Oh, I was uh, going to say, <laughs> does he get
0: to have a beard in the Army?
4: Uh, well, when he has to go serve on the weekends. Gotta, so. Oh, <laughs> all right.
0: Okay. So now we're going to turn to... Uh, Rose Noel, who is the executive chef at Danny Meyer's, just opened Maialino Mare. I want to
1: mare. call you Rose. <laughs> <laughs> I got a
0: question. But I won't. I promise, Because chef. Maialino Mare is a is a seafood-focused trattoria. But am I right? Maialino means little. myale is a. is a, The it, piggy. Yeah. So why is it Little pig, Ocean?
2: Well, it's for the. Right. We have the restaurant in New York, which is based around the pig and a lot of meat. And we figured since we're moving down to DC, and we're so close to the coast I and all see. the great seafood, like
1: Fiola Mare, Viola like Fiola Mare. Is Fiola but just Fiola, to add right. the
2: seafood to the concept, we wanted to. Uh, Capito.
0: Okay, I get it. So tell us a little bit about your background.
2: Uh, my background. Uh grew up with my um, mom and dad in Brooklyn. Um, both of them are actually really good cooks. They're both better cooks than I am. Okay. <laughs> so she had um, her fingers
0: crossed when she said <laughs> that. But.
2: Knocking on wood, but I'm sure they'll that they'd ain't argue wood. that point. <laughs> I'll pretend. Okay. okay, we're
1: we're in it to win it. Go ahead.
2: And um, I actually didn't start in the culinary field. I th- thought I wanted to be an accountant to begin with, but then did a little bit of that and realized quickly that wasn't really what I was going to be able to do for the rest of my life. So I started going, um, thought about going to culinary school. I went to the in- in, um, Institute of Culinary Education in um, Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And my first job was a steakhouse. Okay. Learned how to shuck really quickly <laughs> for a couple hours at a time. And then... um. My first restaurant was a French uh, Michelin starred restaurant called Dovetail, I'm not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the hardest job I've ever had. Um, after a couple of years of that, I opened a new restaurant with John Frazier with Narcissa at Standard East Village. And after working there, I figured I had my fill of French restaurants. So mm-hmm. that's when I decided I wanted to do something different, something more simple, something more focused on the ingredient. Um, he set me up with a couple trails, and then um, one of them was Miley on New York. Mm. The big um, decider for me was being able to work in all aspects of the restaurant. Um, I was thinking about Maria, but the only thing with them, they didn't let you work in their pasta room. Right. And working in an Italian restaurant and not knowing how to make pasta did not make sense to me. Maria is
1: Michael White, who owns Osteria down here. Are you hitting Marini. Me? Cause I didn't know if you knew. I'm I just know trying to everything. help out. You don't know. I know so everything. Said, um, you, so um, know. you know what I know? No, Carla Hall
0: was also an accountant before she decided to become a chef. Did you know that? I
2: didn't, but I know there why. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> I completely understand. You
0: want to be a chef? Study to be an accountant. Start so with accountant. How'd okay, you end so, up with so Danny so Myers?
1: That was. Um, well, that's a Meyer <laughs> Oh yeah.
0: Well, uh, uh, but wait. But a
1: how'd you wind up down here? What was the impetus of the Danny Meyer? I mean, Danny Meyer is a world famous restaurateur. Uh, Union Square Hospitality Group is well known, not just for the kind of food that they're serving, but the general experience, not just front of the house, back of the house, but for the customer, right? Like there's this overall aura about how uh, Danny Myers does business. So what was it about opening up their first property here in D.C. and opening it up in the Navy Yard?
2: So I didn't know anything about the Navy Yard before, but I have my brother. He's also in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, so Navy Yard, Navy. But um, I had not he's my one of my favorite people. So being able to come down and be closer to him was definitely uh, a motivator. And I'd never lived outside of New York, and I'd never been an executive chef before this. It was more of oh I God. have no okay, idea if I could have, do this or uh, not. A little
1: bubbly right there. I think well, you, cheers to yeah. yeah. that. Way to go, There. Yeah. Were uh, you scared? Oh, uh,
2: right like <laughs> like. Out of my mind, out of my mind. But that was That's part of good. the reasons why I did it.
1: Okay, on that note, we're going to take a quick break. Okay. And when we come back, we want to hear about the food you're serving and what the general experience is there. This yes. is David and Nikki Nellis. We're live on Foodie and the Beast. We've got lots of Italians going on here in studio. <laughs> we'll be back in just a sec.
0: We are back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Rose Noel, who's the executive chef at Mialino Mare. Just opened, but rockin', right?
2: Definitely are.
0: We were at the opening. We were. We were at a fun party. Oh,
2: we
1: were well, yeah, we're... So let's talk about the concept, what okay. you guys are doing there, and the kind of food that you're cooking up
3: there.
2: So we're still sticking with the, the simplicity and um, farm focus um, of the Roman food, of the Mailean of New York. Uh, the first thing I did when we first came down to D.C. was check out all the farmer's markets. So the springtime is going to be awesome. And um of course being near Chesapeake Bay, all the seafood options that we have and the range we can get from So you're menu. pulling yeah.
1: locally but yes. applying Roman Roman like techniques. Yeah,
2: the way the Romans do everything. You just mm-hmm. have the main thing and then you do the littlest to it as possible to make it taste delicious. So
0: you're saying when in Washington do as the Romans do. Okay? <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> but Thank I'm fine. <laughs> Thank right. you.
1: I
0: actually got four or five smiles on that one. I'll take okay. it. Yeah. So
1: what tell us a little bit about the place, like what people can experience when they're there. I think it's a great place
2: for whatever occasion. Mm -hmm. I I think of it as I'm bored, I'm starving, where can I go? The bartenders will recognize you after the second time you walk in. Um, It's my birthday, I want to go there. I'm celebrating anything, or I just want to go. It's maybe the rooftop. We just opened up Anchovy Social and have a drink. What
1: does Anchovy Social mean? It's more of
2: the play on the anchovies. We walk around the place. There's a bunch of like little dancing anchovies, like on the website. Okay. Running around. It's this fun, chill place where you can go just to drink or have bites and hang out. With so, all your different friends.
1: menu upstairs.
2: Yeah. An anchovy social. Yeah.
1: What did you bring in today? So, I brought in the
2: uh, burrata alici mm-hmm. with um, these little Italian crackers you can just use to dip in it. It's a little Those bit of salt. Those crackers are addictive. They are ridiculous. I addictive. think we should try it. Yeah, of course you
1: should. That salad dun, dun, is dun, glorious. Dun, 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 dun. Hey.
2: Okay. Hey. Um, I also bought uh, a radicchio salad, mm-hmm. which we do um, radicchio, castelfranco, and caracara oranges with a little bit of pecorino on top for the salt, uh-huh. and um, lemon juice for the acidity. It's Wait. it's refreshing, I and mean, I can eat a massive bowl of this all day long.
1: Now, you are also got an incredible pasta menu.
2: Yeah, we do. So,
1: I know. So, why don't you tell people, like, if they were to Uh-oh. come in, because we got, like, two it's minutes left. Like, okay. If you were going to put together... Do you need some help? You look oh, like I'm you're struggling. I'm about to eat anchovy, so <laughs> okay. don't kiss um, me, if anybody. You were, um, like, you're going in on your own. You're okay. not cooking. Your staff is cooking. Okay.
2: What are you ordering only pasta i could eat about three bowls of pasta so my my three bowls would okay, be okay i'm the, ready
1: i'm ready to gauntlet thrown i'm okay. ready to go hand-to-hand with the you
2: on that. fettuccine con ready that's our um argentinian red shrimp on Fettuccini, which Yum. is their shrimp stock from their bones mm-hmm. um we have the bucatini amatriciana, my classical favorite that's mm-hmm. guanciale spicy tomato sauce and bucatini pasta and the malfati um, with the suckling pigs that we're getting from Virginia that we just braise them and then cook it in no liquid with the um, square pasta that we make in-house. What?
0: No carbonara?
2: I could have a carbonara, but I think a buki is a good switch for that. A carbonara is just a a matriciana switching tomato for egg. Well, you
1: learned
0: a lot in the four days in Rome.
1: (laughs) She's been cooking for 10 (laughs) years. Don't challenge her. And what about um, your dessert program? Because when we were there, like those cookies— Spoke to me personally.
2: Oh, he's, we um, acquired Chef Sabre. Mm-hmm. He is amazing. He is with amazing. Whatever he touches, he is amazing. Um, he has, he, we had the cookie plate in New York, but then he, he took over it and then he did a completely different, he, amazing at whatever he touches. Um, the tiramisu is so light, so creamy. It's getting a lot even of flavor. It's getting, favorite, mm-hmm. so light. You could eat an entire bowl and not realize you've eaten it until later. Mm-hmm. Um, the cookie plate. When you
0: step on the scale. Uh, yeah,
2: next morning. <laughs> just don't step on the <laughs> <Next> scale. <day. laughs> But um, the cookie plate, everyone takes it home. We usually, like, if you have kids on the table, we drop it on the kids and keep them happy. Cool. So they um think. But uh, my favorite right now is the crostata de mele, which is the pink lady apples that we're getting from the market. And it's, it's so light.
0: All the right. apples are so fresh in that one. So All tell right. everybody where the restaurant is.
2: We're right in the middle of the Navy Yard, uh, a block from the Nat Stadium. We're on Tingy and Third.
1: And you're in the thompson hotel in the thompson hotel yes. all right everybody all should right. go check it out chef rose thanks so much for thank joining right. us today thank you all right all right Elinda. Elinda. yes
4: belly up first of all this is delicious <laughs> it is what a I'm lovely way to you, like, you like the fish. ravishing ravoso it's pretty good right <laughs>
1: yeah it's beautiful <laughs> so
4: Vinicolo. yes what is it it is my wine my passion project my wine consulting business my my wine school um where I you know uh, evangelize wine to regular people that want to learn about it um, I also do private events. Um, I hold events around town, um, and this again because March is uh, you know Women's Mine, Wine Month. I've been doing a big focus and series on women winemakers. Well, that's
0: a good chance for a segue because yeah. wine was until probably 20 years ago mostly a boys' club. There were you did I have I the said occasional... that,
1: like <laughs> in the beginning. I just said that. I know, but I'm saying
0: so. So why did it change? How did well, it change? Well, it what still
4: happened? is predominantly overwhelmingly you know white and male. Um, but I think over the last few years, there's been a big push um, to really incorporate and include, um, feet, you know, women, minorities, um, some non-traditional, you know, communities that didn't necessarily have a wine culture. Like myself, growing up, I didn't really have that, but learned about it later in life and really took a liking what to are they it. Drinking Jersey Booms Farm, <laughs> pretty much. Um, Zima, maybe. Yeah. Oh my God, now you're really going back. Now I'm really going okay. back. Um, so uh, there's been, I think, a lot of empowerment um, for for women. to to kind of pursue these different areas that necessarily were always uh, not really open to us or just seemed very intimidating. So um, I always had a passion for wine and food and travel and how wine sort of incorporates all the great studies of the world. It's art, it's science, it's agriculture, it's enology, it's Chemistry, all rolled into one, and it gave me an opportunity to kind of learn a little bit about all these different areas, and then to to teach them to other people, of cool. uh, which I'm very passionate well, about. Well, well so so about teach us something about okay, the next one. so the yeah. next one I have is from it um, from Portugal, and it's called Voltfas. It's a, a white wine made um, from a an indigenous grape there called Antalvas v- uh, Vaz, and it's by the winemaker who is a very dynamic, entrepreneurial woman. Um, her name is Teresa Melias Dias, and uh, her her theme is wines of change. So she's really helped through um, through her wines to sort of help Portugal in this area of Alentejano really reemerge as a wine region. Excellent. So this is also delicious wine,
0: Great. white
1: Excellent. wine. Well, we're looking forward to tasting All it. All right. Now we're going to transition. People need to dump their current ones. Mm-hmm. All right. A cup here. Let's talk okay. a
0: little bit about Urban Plates. Uh, Chris Humphreys is in here in studio. He's the GM of the Urban Plates Restaurant at Bethesda. And on the phone is his West Coast compadre, Chef Robert Bikes, who is the Urban Plates Southern California regional chef. Robert, are you there?
5: Hey, good morning. Hey, everyone. I know it's, morning, it's early in <laughs> Southern
0: California. We know. Thanks for getting up with us. So, Ro- Chef Robert, why don't we start with you? Why don't you give us kind of the uh, the the four one one on Urban Plates?
5: Sure. Well, first uh, foremost, I want to say thank you for having me on the show. Uh, big fans. I've been listening to it now for couple weeks now, so I've heard that are going to be on the show, and it's uh, very entertaining. Uh, well, you must know that, then that uh, I'm the talent got...
0: on the show, and not my wife. That's great.
5: <laughs> I don't know how she deals with it. Me either. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Urban Plates, we began back in uh, 2011 uh, with a single restaurant in Del Mar, California. Mm-hmm. Today, we have 19 locations nationwide. Um, our newest location will be opening up in late April in uh, Westbury, New York. Our D.C. locations include uh, the mall in Columbia, Titan Galleria, and the Wetchfield montgomery Mall. Well, so we for also people, have several
1: Chef, for people who are not familiar with the concept, can you give us sort of like a mission statement, like an overall um, explanation on the kind of food you're serving? Because it is a fast, casual concept, um, but it's unique in a lot of ways given the kind of cuisine you're serving.
5: Absolutely. So, scratch cooking, everything we serve, the, um, including the bread, is made from scratch in-house. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no commissary kitchens. Uh, we really believe in bringing real food, uh, from whether it's our mac and cheese or our mayo, without puzzling ingredients that the guests can actually pronounce. Mm-hmm. Um, we, ha- <laughs> we specialize in our quality ingredients. They're thinking of <laughs> uh, Yes, yes, sure. Uh, quality ingredients. Um, we use organic whenever it's pos- possible. Uh, no GMO, uh, all of our chickens antibiotic, hormone-free, grass-fed beef, and uh, finish. Uh, from our single line caught tuna, sustainably sourced seafood. Um, we really work with the farmers and ranchers around and to really boost our uh, environmental standards. Um, and on top of that, as soon as you feel like maybe you come in our restaurants, we have quite a bit of variety on our menu. Our menu does se- uh, change seasonally. Um, it's something for everyone. Uh, we oh. choose to offer our guests a variety. Chef, if
1: I can break in for a second. So you mentioned earlier, nothing is made in a commissary and that's sort of restaurant speak to me because you and I both know that a lot of uh, large chains or, or restaurants with lots of properties do use a commissary to help them get a lot of their dishes ready. But I don't think the layperson does. Can you sort of, you know, explain what a commissary is and why you choose not to use one?
5: oh yes of course so of course we can take uh we could if we wanted to take shortcuts But we really want to make sure that that transparency is there for our guests when they walk inside the building so kind of the is when you may have several restaurants in the area and we may actually some some restaurants or most restaurants send them to one specific location one kitchen and then they uh, disperse that food into other locations where the food's not really fresh it's not made from scratch um here it's that transparency setting when you walk in You'll see our in-house pastry chefs that come in every every day, seven o'clock in the morning, making the doughs, uh, making the bread for us. You'll see them um, really, you'll see them really diving in with their hands, uh, trimming the steak. So you're going to really see that freshness, and you're going to taste it when you eat our food.
0: Well, Chris, let me bring you into the conversation. What's the menu like at, at your Bethesda location, and and here in D.C. And is it does it mirror what's going on around the country? Is each property different because you're sourcing locally? How does that work?
6: Um, yes, there are some so, uh, locally sourced ingredients that we use. Um, we use turkey. Um, our bacon is from Pennsylvania. Um, so we, we try to incorporate all local um, ingredients as well as our booze. So, who's so do, you,
1: like, do you work with like the farmers markets? Like, how do you guys go about doing your sourcing?
6: Um, our executive chef um, for the company actually mm-hmm. sources all ingredients. It's purveyors that we trust and, and know that we can trust so that we can provide the, the meals that we, we say.
1: And then, Robert, um, you just went plant-based, right?
6: I did.
5: I went plant-based about uh, almost two months ago, and I was able to actually drop, shed about 35 pounds. 35 pounds. Uh, the benefits. Wait, you said that, and my wife—wait and... a minute, hold
0: it. You said 35 pounds, and my wife immediately looked at me.
1: I'm not suggesting he go plant-based, but I am you, suggesting sir. he lose 35 pounds.
0: So what, what, what drove
1: that? Well,
5: if you— well, I just one day I woke up and I said, you know, I want to. It was nothing religious or anything, anything like that. I just wanted to change the way I felt, and mm-hmm. what really helped me do that. We were testing uh two of our bowls. Uh, and it's actually part of our ten dollar uh, value bowls, ten dollars and under. Uh, one is the chickpea and sweet potato plant-based bowl. Uh, it's one of my favorite, and then the other one is the beets and avocado plant-based bowls. Uh, beautiful colors, a lot of flavors, organic chickpeas. And as I began to eat these bowls, I really um, started to see not only did I, I wake up and I, I was able to have a clear mindset, I was able to f- focus on work, which is clearly my passion, um, but I just I just felt like a healthier person. And the weight was just a bonus. It just started falling off. <laughs> That's amazing. Right.
0: So let's go back to Chris, if
6: you don't mind, Chef, uh, because he brought in a bunch of plates yeah, Chris, and I don't want to run out of time. Like, right, what's
3: tell in us here. what you
0: brought in.
6: Sure. This is the uh, beaten avocado plant-based bowl that Robert was speaking of. Mm-hmm. Um, our Both bowls have been up 14% since we've offered them. You see a lot of NBA players now going plant-based. They say it's the best they've felt in years. So if I eat and, this, I can play in the NBA? Let's do it. Dude. <laughs> I feel like
1: we'll have some guanciale uh, after. Mr. Slamajama, Jamma, will call right. me.
6: <laughs> and this is our uh, ahi niswa salad mm-hmm. and some mixed greens, our ahi one-line uh, caught tuna, uh, uh Organic potatoes, haricots verts, and then this is our salmon plate. Uh, sustainable sal- um, uh, salmon from uh, Canada. You had that when we were
1: there. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean we've been to Urban Plates because yeah. we go to the movie. We go to ArcLight to see a movie, so we go to Urban Plates before before a show. I, I mean the, s- the
0: steak was good.
1: And I think what's interesting. Uh, so what appeals to me about Urban Plates is that you guys. Um, as a national chain, are still looking to work locally, which I think is very important, and uh, that you offer meals that are healthful. But I have a problem with a lot of health, healthy supposed dining. It's mm-hmm. very either masculine or feminine. And you guys have found a real uh, medium on that. I can have a composed dish and not feel like I'm eating rabbit food and be satiated because I'm hungry. I eat, but I don't want to always eat like, I mean, I eat for a living, so I don't want to always eat plates and plates of pasta, but I also don't want to eat something that – I just don't want a piece of salmon on a salad. and so, we make
0: Rose feel better. I do. He does. But <laughs> you know
1: what I mean? I, I What I like about your offerings is that they're composed dishes with fresh ingredients, and you guys seem to have a, con, uh, a real commitment – to sourcing. That well. was
0: a nice commercial for these guys. Chris wow. didn't have to say a that bloody word. Look you at guys... that. And now it's time for a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. Chris, tell everybody where your, your, your spots are in the D.C. area. And there's Please. one coming here at the, uh, at the collection, right?
6: Yes. Oh, so we okay. have uh, Columbia that. Mall right beside the movie theater. We also have one in Tyson's Galleria and as well as Montgomery Mall. Uh, we're going to open Westbury, New York in April. And what's Houston. opening
1: here?
6: Uh, Chevy Chase.
1: Oh, excellent. Right here near the studio. That's great. Because
6: we'll- here is Chevy Chase. Yes. yes. Well, okay. Chef,
1: thank you for joining us on the phone. Chris, thank you for joining us in studio thank and for you. bringing all this beautiful food. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We cut more wine in our future. We'll be back in a sec.
0: We are back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, surrounded by unbelievable food. Let's go back to uh, Erlinda Doherty uh, of Vinicola. Yes. Uh-huh. And talk a little bit. I mean, When you – I want to talk about your wine education experience and how, you know, becoming – basically becoming a teacher, did you hit roadblocks because you were a woman? I mean, did people go, yeah, well, that's – you know.
4: Well, I felt like I had to really um, prove myself with my professional wine education because I didn't have the background – or the connections, or the industry experience that most people had. So, so I did feel like you know, again, I had to go ahead and, and get my certifications from the different organizations to to prove that I actually had the de- dedication, and hustle to do that. So it was challenging. i um, also being a little bit older going into the you know the beverage industry was what a are challenge. Twenty
0: three
4: <laughs> uh, plus twenty two. So being a forty five year old kind of going back into it was it was a challenge as well. Um, I don't even remember forty five. So. <laughs> <but. laughs> uh, you know, it's young, right? It's uh. totally young um but yeah so and uh, as and speaking of wine education we've got some several events going around town again um with the first one coming up on this this Tuesday actually at um we're doing an art of wine class at Terrain Cafe we're going to talk about the art of winemaking uh, as well as people coming to the class are going to have a chance to sort of paint a picture of wine as well. So oh. art, you know, wine is art essentially.
0: Mm-hmm. So this, um this is a good opportunity for you to give the Vinicola website address so people can find it there or on the list. But what's what's the web address for this? Exactly.
4: www.thevinicola.com V-I-N-I-C-O-L-A dot or you can follow me on Instagram at at the Cool. That's Great. me,
1: yes. Okay, so just tell us, we only have like 30 seconds, what you're pouring here.
4: So I am pouring a wine from a uh, from South Africa, from a uh, black woman uh, winemaker who, after apartheid, decided that she no longer wanted, she she was a teacher for so long, and decided that her passion in life was also to become a winemaker. Fabulous. And so started her wine called Sesvekile Wine, which means in her um, native language of Gosa, means we have arrived. Excellent. And actually it is not available locally. I'm looking for someone to help me bring this wine into our airy because it is such a fantastic wine it's a chenin blanc rusan mix chenin blanc is the most planted grape in in all of south africa and it is lovely and if you want to help a woman and empower a woman who is in her country maybe one of eight winemakers altogether who are black and women in south africa well, we can
0: great is that the
1: wine on the list too great. all right thank you thanks so much
4: so she's back
1: amy riola amy Riola's is
0: back we partied with amy at selena pizzeria i shouldn't say party we carb loaded mm. um at well, selena fun. right uh, and amy is Amy is you're you're you are definitely a Renaissance woman. She's a, a she chef, is. she's a cookbook author. She guides these incredible culinary tours to Italy. So I, you know, I don't, We should dedicate a couple of shows to you. This is unbelievable. You have. So I'm grateful. Let, let's talk a little bit about your background. How did all this happen?
7: Sure. So I'm my family is originally from Southern Italy in Calabria. Mm-hmm. I'm an Italian American. Let's get on the mic. And um, I wanted to do something, you know, with the homeland. And so finally, I've, I've. Dedicated a little bit of time to doing culinary tours in Calabria and talking about that in the cuisine. But I mostly focus on Mediterranean lifestyle. So I've done nine books. Um, They all have to do something in the Mediterranean. And I do a lot of work on TV. I do a lot of events and culinary tours to Italy, Greece, and Morocco. So so
1: let's just talk for a second. So like when you do events, like what we went at Stellina was so interesting to me because you partnered with this restaurant from... Capri, exactly. And you brought the chef
7: over, and then you did a and the dinner owner. at the James Beard House. Yes, yeah, so we just got back from there. So I'm the brand ambassador for the restaurant. It's Ristorante d'Amore Capri, mm-hmm. and the owner's Marco the d'Amore. Restaurant
0: of Love in mm-hmm. Capri.
7: Exactly, mm-hmm. that's their name. It's not just a cheesy thing. Like that's really their name. So Pasquale rinaldo's the executive chef, mm-hmm. and they wanted to do an event. A lot of their customers come from New York and DC in the summer, and they summer in Capri. So they said, let's do something. I, I said, know, we're doing something wrong. <laughs> we are doing something. So too many New York, bloody kids. No, but listen, in New York, we went to the James Beard Foundation. We sold out in 15 minutes. It's called Under the Capri Sun. Then in D.C., I called my favorite people. So you guys, you were first on the list. Yay. And we came, and and Matteo and uh, Venini, the chef, and Antonio Matarazzo, yeah. Stelina, were so grateful to host us. What a great
0: we, name, Antonio Matarazzo. Yeah. I'll say <laughs> the we, Godfather.
7: <laughs> we had an awesome time, and I'm so glad you could be there. But it was nice to be able to bring a little bit about Capri, their local food, their culture. Or, you know, here it was really well received. And next time, was we'll was painful because
0: Pasquale spoke English better than I speak Italian. I heard, <laughs> no, I heard a you,
7: lot. Your Italian's good, and even more than the language, but your energy, both of you, you know, so like people can just talk and you understand.
0: So let's talk about
3: the Calabria. Tour to Calabria. Well, Calabria. Sure. let's talk
1: about Calabria because it's okay. not, it's sort of the, I feel like Umbria was was like untouched before, but now exactly. it's become more popular. It's, it's
3: on the way
0: to the foot of the boot.
7: Yes. yes. So just right here, in case everybody needs to know, it's, um, Recently, Traveler magazine called it Italy's best-kept uh, culinary secret. But mm-hmm. I love it, obviously, because my family's there. We're from a town called Crotone on the Ionian Sea, which is where Pythagoras went in the 8th century before the of Common course. Era. Of so course. Well, well, who didn't doesn't want to go where Pythagoras I mean, went? Exactly. You're no, right. but it was, a, it was a stronghold for Bania Grecia. I mean, I mean, it was a their promised land. So we have a lot of Greek influence, a uh, very unique terroir. Um, also than, you know, other places. Some of my cousins are archaeologists. I, I,
0: I mean, it must have changed a lot. You know, I was there. I was in Tropea, which is in Calabria. Sure. in In uh, 19... 19- I think she 30. knows what's in Calabria. Knows. But, but it was like easy. going back into the 19th century at that point. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot's probably changed there now. And a
7: lot hasn't. You know, and that's the good thing. You can still walk through places, and I can feel like what it was like for my great-grandparents when they were there. And that's, that's a unique place. You don't get everywhere. So ancient, modern, all together.
1: So what tell us a little bit about the trip and like you brought in copious amounts of food today so I wanted to understand like I you know people are familiar with sort of northern Italian not as familiar with southern Italian though I do feel like like Sicilian wines are really getting popular now do you know what I mean but there is a Italian cooking is so regional exactly So what is it about... So what's unique
7: about Calabria has a lot to do, starting with the Greeks and the Byzantines. We are indigenous tribes were the Itali, which the word Italian comes from the Itali, and Mm -hmm. the Inotri, which the Greek named us the wine cultivators, who were known for wine from the very beginning Mm -hmm. in food. Uh, That's very unique. The dialect is very unique. I like, in all my tours, whether it's whatever country it's in, whatever region it's in, I want people to know not just how to eat the food and appreciate it, but really how to appreciate the culture and how to how to embrace things from the from the local regional culture. So that's part of it. And we're partnering with Librandi Wine because Paolo Librandi, the owner, his wife has also a travel agency. So my Italian sensory experience. This works so well. Exactly. <laughs> and so they're our hosts. Okay. I
0: should have married you, Amy. So just <laughs> no, give us no.
1: a quick, like, what does your tour include? Like, sure. where do you go? What do you do? Like, what what is a day-to-day? Because I think Wonderful. some people are, feel like a tour is not like going to allow bus. me... Right. like. Some people like an a la carte experience instead exactly. of a... So how does the no. tour work? This
7: is, we pick you up in Rome and, and we're you're, you're with us. We mm-hmm. don't have to worry about anything of that. Or La Mezzia Terme when we go to Calabria. We pick you up at the airport and everything okay. is with us. So we're staying in a, re, in a renovated uh, Duke's Palace outside the city, right on the foothills of the Librandi Winery. Mm-hmm. We're going to the winery. We're meeting the winemaker and having actual tastings with him mm-hmm. and his staff. We're trying all of these unique varietals. So this is a Critone, which was named after uh, Socrates' favorite student, and it's um, a blend of Chardonnay, about 90% Chardonnay and mm. 10% Sauvignon Blanc. It's got a lot mm-hmm. of peach and some wildflower kind Super of things. Super fruity. Mm-hmm. Very fruity to Great. go with these foods. So here I have a pasticcio, which is four different types of cheeses. We're known in Calabria for the pecorino Everybody crotonese. Everybody, come, <laughs> come on, you guys got to come
0: over and get some food. We have our
7: own pecorino crotonese in Calabria. And uh, th- these oh, are made shape. out of that. Exactly, we so because we just celebrated Valentine's like... together. So I'm trying to carry over the theme. Uh, okay. Herbs.
1: For real. Mozzarella
7: and different things. And the bruschetta has what we call a peperonata, which is a a mixture of peppers. We love peppers, especially the chili pepper in Calabria, Mm -hmm. as you know, is very famous and getting world famous. Um, So this goes well with the critone. A lot of people also put seafood, but I can't do seafood at this time of the morning on a Sunday yet. It's it's, it's a little early for that. You know, critone
0: is very close to Cretino.
7: Okay, so the no, next. with an E, not with an with a, with a, with a I, not with an E. Um, and okay.
1: so what else? So, like, tell us what else you brought this morning, because you have so much.
7: Sure, so the next one we're going to do is the Duca San Felice. Uh-huh. This wine is a 100% Gagliopo grape. It's indigenous to Calabria. We only have it in the world. The Greeks used to feed it to the Olympic champions. And there so they call it, you know, that it's very, like, the Barolo of the South. But no, the Greeks fed it to the Olympic champions. It's better than Barolo, in my opinion. Okay. They call it the Blackberry grape. And this has a lot of flavors of uh, sour cherry and a little bit of tobacco and some figs. Mm -hmm. This is Calabria in a cup. And okay. it's the best version. It's the reserva of that. All right, we've got so, about a minute. We're going to so, have to. So just tell
1: us about you don't. We don't have to go through all the wines, but sure. tell us about the two dishes and just sort of give us a so people understand the trip. Sure. Like what it is.
7: These are the eggplant uh, meatballs and these are the braciole or the traditional meatballs that we have in Calabria yeah. that we'll Gorgeous. serve. The trip we're going to come. You're going to stay in the Duke's Palace with us. You're going to have hands-on cooking classes with me in the winery. My uh, aunts and cousins are going to come and hand roll uh, our unique cavatelli with us and also lag. Which is one of the ancient pasta. I we're going go to go to the like Casa fun. Fici. We're going to learn how to make the cheese. We're going to go to the Ionian Sea. We're going to a Michelin star restaurant, Datillo, uh, which is also there. We're going to go to the olive orchards. As you know, um, olive oil is is my new um, love. And so we're going to go. Wait a
1: second, it's your picture. This is on my the oil. Olive oil. This oh is my, my new
7: my private God. labeled oil. <laughs> 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 so all the tours have a big olive oil thing. I do health and wellness. We also meet with the local chefs and talk to them. And then we go to the historic sites. So, the Temple of Hera, the, the place where Pythagoras taught. All
0: right, so All right, tell us. M- where do we find the information about the mm-hmm. tour?
7: So, amyriello.com is my website. And for the tours, it's italian sensoryexperience.com. Wow. All right. Yay, Amy. Thank you. Thank you. you. Buon appetito. Buona domenica.
0: Right. And speaking of good food, Nicholas Tang is here. Nicholas is the uh, executive chef at DBGB. He and Danielle Ballut are like this, right? All right. Well, so so, bad. so so we met you in a spot,
6: right? We at met the you dinner. at the
1: uh, Aussie Beef and Land dinner. Yeah. Uh, just a couple months ago, but how long have you been there? Because the, you know, the restaurant opened. There's been a couple chefs there. So, like, when did you start there?
8: Started about two and a half years ago. Okay. Uh, I moved from New York, so I was at DBGB New York mm-hmm. uh, before we closed, uh, and. But
1: you came from Singapore, right? I came from
8: Singapore, so I've worked from, with Daniel since Singapore, so mm-hmm. DB Bistro, uh, moved to New York, uh, Cafe Balud, DBGB New York, and then here in D.C. now.
1: So when you were in Singapore, tell us a little bit about the cuisine you were cooking.
8: Uh, it was very bistro cuisine. Uh, mm-hmm. it was, you know, you, We don't grow anything in Singapore, so we could import everything, so mm-hmm. you know, Kind of I don't think
1: people prime. are very familiar with what's, I mean, everybody knows Singapore because of like um, crazy rich Asians, yeah. like, you know, in America, like that's people's sort of vision. There's, you know, Singapore is a very hot travel destination, mm-hmm. but I don't think people know that they don't grow things there. Nobody, no. nobody knows the, yeah. the mean, culinary culture.
8: I think it's only like 45 minutes across east to west. So okay. you can drive for 45 minutes and you'll hit the ocean.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So you were cooking there, and then when brought you to the states,
8: uh, my wife.
1: Okay, uh,
0: That's how I thought you were going to say an airplane. Yeah. Right, but oh, geez, okay. okay, and there it goes. Um,
1: and so you start working with Daniel Belouet, and so as your, how does your culinary life change?
8: Uh, it, it just opened me, opened my eyes to you know Michelin uh, quality food. Uh, Cafe Belouet was uh, had one Michelin star at a time. Uh, mm-hmm. Worked with uh, Gavin Kaysen uh, when he was the chef there. And you know, it was it was it was eye opening. It was different. It was cutthroat. I was because you know New York is it's is a cutthroat New York's city. New
1: not easy. I know. Yeah. I feel like we should put you and Chef Rose on together to talk yeah. about New York cooking. Okay, but uh, well, we'll arm
0: each of you with a knife, of course. Right,
1: right. We'll do a gauntlet. So we got in to studio. talk about
0: the cheese dinner when we come back. Yes. Let's take a break.
1: Okay. This is David and Nikki Nellis. There is so much cheese in studio. We'll be back in just a sec.
0: All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Before we get back to Nicholas Tang and DBGB, just want to thank our sponsors, Mirabelle, Ottoman Taverna, uh, Alba Osteria, Al Dente, the new uh, Brasserie Liberté, Pro Fish, great mm-hmm. sustainable seafood, Ivy City Smokehouse, Meat Crafters, and Central Farm Markets. If you're not a sponsor, shame on you. You should be. Call me. <laughs> All right, Nick, so what are you doing at DBGB? Did you come in? And leave it as it was, or
8: did you re, sort of recast the menu in your own image? We got to recast the menu. You know, DBGB started with, like, nine sausages on the menu. Yeah, it was uh, heavy. It was, it was you was know, heavy, it was heavy. Heavy sausage uh, mm-hmm. on the menu.
1: Not uh, that it wasn't good.
8: No, it was It was good. delicious. Uh, but, you know, we wanted to bring uh, more, bring it back to be more French. Uh, so, you know, I I bring dishes from the restaurants that Danielle has in New York. So, mm-hmm. you know, from Bar Baloud, very classical French bistro dishes— uh, and then in summer, we do a lot of uh, blue suit dishes, which is you know Mediterranean style, uh, grilled fish with uh, peppers. Uh, and so that's that's kind of how, how I kind of play with the menu here at DBGB, just to give you a taste of New York in D.C. Okay. All right, so let's talk cheese because you're going to do this cheese dinner and, <laughs> you know,
0: there are cheese plates everywhere in yes. everybody's restaurant. So what do you do? How far afield do you have to go to find cheeses that are going to, Meet your standards, but are going to blow people's minds here.
8: So, in uh, Restaurant Daniel in New York, there's just one guy. Uh, his name is Pascal Vitu, yeah. and he's going to be in town for the dinner. Uh, he's the one hosting the dinner, actually. He's the how do you pronounce the it? head for
0: yeah, I had uh, it right. So he's bon Dieu.
8: his his sole job is just to you know curate the cheese board he's at Restaurant Daniel. He's the big cheese guy. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is getting so cheesy in here. <laughs> okay, so don't use
8: my uh, joke. So <laughs> initially, joke. we first started, wanted to put uh, 15 French cheeses and 15 American cheeses on the board for this dinner that's coming up. Uh, okay, I'm in on March 5th. You have me a cheese. I uh, like I put cheese have, on everything. So we have I'm managed all about it. to find up to 42 cheeses now. So we're gonna feature 42 cheeses at oh, the buffet uh, on March 5th.
1: So wait, back up. <laughs> it's gonna be a buffet. And there are going to be 42 cheeses. Mm-hmm. And how are people supposed to navigate that? That's a, I mean, I'm a cheese lover. Like, I can never go plant-based because I'm not giving up cheese, period, end of story. So how, how do people navigate those kind of cheeses? Do you have people there explaining the cheeses? Yes. And how is that working?
8: Yeah, so Pascal will be outside you know, uh, kind of talking about can the he cheeses. Can be my new
1: best friend? I want him Italy, to be my best friend. best friend. Okay. Stay yeah. away from the French, please.
8: Okay. And we have, uh, we, we <laughs> have. No, yeah, they are. Jasper Hill Farm that has right, you know, kindly mm-hmm. donated a good amount of cheeses for this dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really know what cheeses they're sending. They said it's a surprise box, so we're, we're going to be surprised ourselves too. Okay. How many people do you figure will come to this? We are targeting about 60 to 70 people.
1: And what's the date again?
8: It's uh, March 5th, and the tickets are available on our website, dbgb.com or mm-hmm. danielbalud.com.
1: Excellent. And um, how much is it?
8: It's $125.
1: Okay, and is it a dinner too?
8: It's a dinner inclusive of wine pairing. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a three-course dinner That's inclusive well of wine pairing. And then a cheese and feast. a cheese buffet. Oh
1: my God, that sounds amazing. Oh, All right, and then you have, man. before you go, because you're doing something for Cherry Blossom.
8: Uh, yes, so every year Danielle comes to D.C. to do a Cherry Blossom, a Spring Feast dinner. Spring Feast, let's not yeah. call it Cherry Blossom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, this year is going to be on April 3rd, so Danielle is going to be in town April 3rd to host a dinner mm-hmm. uh, to celebrate spring.
1: Excellent. So what does that look like for you? Like, do you get to work with the chef and come up with the menu? How does that happen?
8: Uh, yeah, so the menu has already been uh, created. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are bringing back uh, Danielle's old classics uh, from when he first opened Restaurant Daniel. You make it sound oh, like Daniel like shows up and he looks at Nicholas and says, what do you want to cook? <laughs> well, hey, man. I think the most popular one is these uh, five pea soup, uh, which you know, it's a chilled pea soup. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have snow peas, snap peas, uh Petit pois. Did
0: I have that in New York? I, have, I think I did. Do you
8: think I remember yeah. what you're eating? I, I have I to did. remember what and I'm then eating. then there's a bit of bacon crumble on top with uh, rosemary cream. Mm, that so sounds beautiful. Man.
1: Excellent. Okay, so that is on April the 3rd. April. Yep. Yep. And uh, how do people get tickets to that?
8: Uh, tickets will be available online too, Danielbaloo.com or dbgb.com. Uh, it has not gone live yet.
1: Excellent. All right. So we'll be on look for that. Of course, you can find that on the list. Are you on it? .com, when it goes live. We'll go make to sure DBGB have...
0: and see Nicholas because he's a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> and and go he, got up, cheese. he got up this morning for us. That's <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Erlinda. Yes. Coming back, back to, to you. you. Okay. So.
1: Oh, wait. Can we just what? one second? I'm so sorry, Erlinda. Chef, you didn't tell people where uh, the restaurant is located.
8: Uh, we are located in city center. So mm-hmm. on H between 9th and 10.
1: Great. Right. Excellent. Thank you, so right much. Right
8: by the fountain. Yes. Right by the phone. There yes. you go. All right, so
0: let's talk a little bit more about w- women in the industry because um, probably my guess is that to become a, a you know a wine producer to own a vineyard, you need money. You need money. You know that, that somehow you got mm-hmm. trust fund baby or whatever. Or you got to go to a bank or somewhere. So has that road been paved
4: a little bit better for for? For women who who want to own their own vineyards, well, access to capital is obviously a huge yeah. issue for for many women, and um, in, in general, right. Um So but in all industries, in across all the industries, board. yes, uh, it's very difficult, very challenging. And as you know, we're still only making eighty percent of what men do. And if you're a brown woman, a Latin Latin American, you're only making fifty five. Well, that's how it's supposed to
3: be, right? And, no? <laughs> no.
4: And if you're if you're a black woman, you're only making sixty four percent. So, anyways, access to capital is definitely an issue. Uh, most of the women that I've talked about so far have been entrepreneurial and have had the ability to sort of um, to hustle and bustle and, and get those means. Um, and the, the last two wines that I'm talking about are actually were, were actually a women in France. Um, French um, parts of the tradition there, where they were handed down, um, you know, their their winemaking, uh, the vineyards and the, the the companies to them from their um, from their fathers. So um, the last wine that we're going to try here mm-hmm. is uh, actually the last two are from France again. Like I said, uh, one from the southern Rhone, from the Cote de Rhone, and it's brought to us by La Fonde Loop, um, which is a uh, and the, the winemaker there is Charlotte Melia Bachas. Beautiful wine, uh, red blend brought to us by artisans and Vines. And this last wine is also from France, from Burgundy, um, fifth generation family winemaker who handed it down to their daughter. Um, uh, Domaine Dubois, Le Brisson, uh, from a premier crew, and Jury Le Bon in, in France, a Pinot Noir grape, of course. Is that
0: kind of a new thing, too? Because I'm sure, you know, going back in time, that male chauvinism came to, you know, came to play. And a, guy mansplaining.
1: Might not... A lot of mansplaining <laughs> yeah. happening in the I'm wine sure world. I'm sure yeah. that was
0: probably the case where the daughter was the natural... Sort of uh, recipient of it, but didn't didn't get the the vineyard. Because- absolutely.
4: absolutely. So the daughters have had to basically stand up and say, you know we'd like to do this as well. We have a lot of ideas, we've got some innovation, we've got some some ideas about how to run these businesses and they've taken it and, and ran, ran with it. They're basically the future of 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 wine, even in these areas that have been you know steeped in tradition and regulation and, and history. Um, these, these women have stepped up, uh, for instance the the Cote de the and Charlotte. Uh, she, you know her dad handed her the keys to her wine and said, okay, it's yours. Um, same with the, this uh, the, uh, um, Beatrice Dubois from the this other wine uh, that mm-hmm. we're tasting here. Same situation. Fifth generation winemaker, you know, took over and said, okay, we're, we're going to be the future of Burgundy. Um, so what
1: kind of research do you have to do in order to find these wines, especially if you're looking to be women-focused? Is it— is it a Google or are you? No, you have to
4: work very closely with the importers and distributors. Uh, again, I mentioned artisans and vines and, and uh, Dionysus Wines, where I've got these wines today. Very, mm-hmm. very focused and curated boutique wineries that are very specific and care about the wines they bring to our our community. And so I work with them very closely. To and I ask them specific questions. I say, Hey, so so are are there women? I want to focus on the women. I want to focus on sustainable wines, organic wines, natural wines. You know, help me, please. And so we spend a lot of time doing that. And uh, you know again, and then my 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 goal is to help expose some of these women winemakers to our community because I think there's a big, huge interest in in trying to help uplift and empower a lot of these women that well, are not out just there that. To get... I think
1: there's a big, huge interest. I mean, and Amy sort of touched on it a little bit in wine and understanding where yes, the wine is from. like absolutely. you mentioned natural wine. I don't know. Um, jury's out on that for me. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. I, I feel that well, wine has been manipulated right. for centuries. So well, I'm and, not and, sure and, and why in Europe,
4: everybody wants to. They've be been making quote natural wine for thousands of years. Right. So it's,
1: exactly. Right. So anyway, that's another show. Right. <laughs> okay. Let's tell everybody where we can yes. find you because we are wrapping up.
4: Okay. So again, um, you can search me out online, vinicola. Uh, vinicola.com. Mm-hmm. I've got uh, several events again coming up. Um, the most, another one I'm excited about is is on uh, wine aromas and flowers. We're going to use flor- flowers to kind of help us pick out some. The Sense and Wine in uh, 29 March. So just look me up online. And I also um, am doing another event. I hate to do
0: this to you. Yeah, I got to wrap it up. Go to V V I N I C O L A. Dot com, com dot Exactly. Com. Thank you uh, so much. Sorry, the show's going to end. Right. So that's pretty much it. Everything you heard on the show today, you can find more information on Here, Nikki's website. do it. Please. Site, okay. and never hey, mind. So
1: thank you all for I'd joining us in studio today. Like we had such a delicious show. There's so much to eat and drink in and around the DC area, and you can check it all out on the list. it.com. We list every food and wine event happening. In the DC Metro area, but also we have trips like Amy's on there as well. So check it out. Also, tune in tomorrow. I'm live on Industry Night at the Line Hotel. And of course, you can follow me at N Y C C I N E L L I S. I just have one more Shush thing to say. At Nikki Nellis on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You're say it. Bossy. Okay. Everybody right. have a delicious week. Bye.